that it's possible to thrive in your singleness of finding, like I said, people to love on, um, people to just pour into and not waste that beautiful season. Because the thing about each season is there's beautiful times and there's also struggles. And so marriage is going to be a beautiful time, but also full of its struggles. And singleness is the same way. And so if you're always living for the next season, you're going to miss out on what God is doing in the present right now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. Hope everyone out there is doing well today. On this show with me today, I have Brianna Hostetler from Alliance Christian Center Church. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad you are. It always helps when the guests want to be here. It's a nice, it's nice. (laughs) Thank you for driving all the way to Lakewood, Ohio to to meet me here today. I really appreciate it. So absolutely. My pleasure. How was your drive in? It was good. We hit a little bit of rush hour traffic, but Sounds about right. 480? Yeah. (laughs) Down to single traffic or two lanes? Yeah. Okay. Sounds about right. Welcome to Cleveland. (laughs) Welcome to Cleveland. Road construction too? No, no, just an accident. Okay. Yeah, we're not used to that in Little Alliance. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I hope everybody's okay. Hope everybody's okay. So again, thank you for being here. I know that you have had a long day, so I don't want to, I'm going to dive right into it. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where'd you grow up? Yeah. So I grew up in Alliance, Ohio, born and raised, um, small town, and grew up in a Christian, typical Christian family, and was raised going to church and learning about Jesus. And so all of that, I knew about Jesus from a very young age um, and wanted to follow him from a very young age. Um, and yeah, that was kind of the, the gist of the, my start in my relationship with Jesus. So you were always around church. You grew up in church. So at what age did you say, do you remember giving your life to Christ? I don't actually even remember the day. Okay. <laughs> My mom go. tells me I did this. Um, and I was, I think, four or five. And I said, I want to follow Jesus. You know, I want him in my heart. Um, when I was about 13, I had that moment of, oh, my goodness, hell is real. And I don't want to go there. And I don't remember the day I gave my heart to Jesus. So I re-prayed the prayer and made sure I was good. But uh, still following Jesus all throughout. So Amen. Amen. I would say it, it didn't become real, real until the trials start hitting as you get a little bit older into the teen years. So I had a heart for Jesus, but um, the, the more that I've gone through, the closer I've become with Jesus. And it's really um, made my faith strong in, in having to rely upon him through the trials um, that he's brought me through. This speaks to something I talk about a lot, is that there's power in every testimony. That Amen. whether you were grew up in church, whether you grew up as uh, the son or daughter of a pastor, or whether you just lived a wild life, you know, there's power in every single testimony, and your story is always for someone else. You know, God just didn't allow the things he allowed in our lives just for us to keep it to ourselves. Mm. You know, it is our story is to to bless someone else, but to also bring him glory through that, because it says he works all things together for the good of those who love him, the good and the bad. So... You said there were some trials in the teenage years. So can mm. you, you want to touch base or talk about what some of that may have been for you? Yeah. So I would say, you know, teenage years are difficult because you're trying to figure out who you are, where you fit in, what's your purpose, uh, what's your identity. And so I went through some of that in my teen years and friend trouble and the normal drama. Um, but I would say 
I really, I began to really struggle with just wanting um, a relationship, wanting to date, wanting to find someone to marry, because my heart was always to get married at a young age. My mom was married when she was 18. I thought I would be like her, and as I got older in my teen years, nothing was moving in that direction, and so it became discouraging, and you just start to, I started questioning what's wrong with me? Am I not interesting? Am I not attractive? Like what, what is it about me that's wrong that I have these friends that are all dating and in relationships and nothing's happening for me? And kind of that idea of hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so questioning and, and wanting, and sometimes when you want something so badly, that desire becomes a God in your life. And so kind of thinking that that is the ultimate, like really striving and wanting that. And I remember I went on a youth camp when I was 17, and the theme that weekend was I surrender. And I really felt God putting on my heart, I want you to surrender this to me. Give me the pen. Allow me to write the story of your life, of your love story. And so I really did. I, I took that weekend to really surrender it to the Lord, and that was a turning point for me in my journey. And He has transformed my heart in recognizing um, the beauty of being single in that season and what that looks like. And so I didn't end up dating anyone until I was in my 20s. And yet I came to a place, I remember waking up a while after that retreat, and I remember thinking, wow, I actually feel content. I feel peace. I feel joy. I feel purpose in what God has for me right now. Um, and so that looks like just being intentional in the relationships around me, being able to pour into the kids' ministry at my church or my family relationships and being intentional in all areas of my life because I am single. I have more time. It's a blessing. And I so often see other people in a single season almost wasting it away, just thinking that one day when I get married, then my life will start. Then my ministry will start. Then I can travel the world. And really, that's just not the case. Like, Jesus has a purpose for your life today. And so I'm passionate about trying to encourage others with my story of that it's possible to thrive in your singleness, of finding, like I said, people to love on, um, people to just pour into and not waste that beautiful season. Because the thing about each season is there's beautiful times and there's also struggles. And so Marriage is going to be a beautiful time, but also full of its struggles, and singleness is the same way. And so if you're always living for the next season, you're going to miss out on what God is doing in the present right now. And that coming to that place and that foundation of who I am in Christ, aside from somebody else, really helped me step into relationships in my 20s, um, because when they didn't end in marriage, I was able to step back and know who I am in Christ. I know who I am apart from this person. They don't complete me. I know that in Jesus, I am whole. I know that he has a purpose for me aside from this person. And so is it hard? Yes. And you know, those are times when you're just broken and you come before the Lord and he heals your heart. But it really helped me coming to that realization before a relationship because it helped me step back from it um, in that same way because that person was not the answer. Jesus was the answer for me. So he, that was something that he's really brought me through um, and changed my perspective and my heart on. You just dropped a whole sermon in about <laughs> three and a half minutes. That was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. Um, thank you for your transparency. And thank you for sharing all of yeah. that. So how you touched on this. So how important is it to invest in the season that you're in and not look that far ahead? You know, God's got something coming for you. How important is it to invest in the season that you're in? Oh, amen. It's so important. I mean, 
and even Paul talks about um, the beauty of singleness specifically, and that you're you're more freed up to pour into um, the ministry and, and to do kingdom work. Not that you can't in marriage, but it's just a unique season. And so whether that's singleness, whether that's marriage, whatever season that you find yourself in, it, you need to also be a good steward of that. Jesus calls us to be a good steward. And I always thought that was just being a good steward of money or time or energy, but it's also being a good steward of the relationships that are around you. And that can look like even being intentional with sharing the gospel with people or, um, yeah, just taking those opportunities. But we, we are called to be a good steward, and I believe that we will hold an account for what we do with our lives here on earth. And so if you're just kind of wasting away, waiting for that next thing to happen, then you're wasting a whole lot of time that we don't have that long on this earth anyways. Like we have to capitalize and, and make every day count. There are things that God has blessed me with now that I probably asked for years ago, mm. that if he would have handed them to me years ago, I would have destroyed it. Mm-hmm. I either wasn't ready, I wasn't mature enough, I, I wasn't equipped enough. And it's like, you wanted it, you desired it. And if I would have gotten it, it wouldn't have been a blessing. Mm. I, it would have became a curse. So you want to get, you want to prepare for where God is is taking you, and you don't want to overlook those seasons of, of preparation. So no. Amen. And I I can see that in my own life as well. When I look back and I think, I'm so thankful I did not get married at 18 because I wasn't ready. But also I see all that the Lord has done in my life, and that He's blessed me in these different areas of pouring into people and ministries that I wouldn't have maybe had those opportunities if life had happened how I had foreseen it. So for sure. What's that saying? If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I tell people all the time, like if you, if you have a desire and you know, it lines up with scripture and it lines up with, with what the word of God says, write it down, make the, and go pray about it and lay it at God's feet. Like, God, this is what I'm desiring, but I lay this at your feet. Let your will be done in my life. What you want for my life is what I want for my life. Give me what you know that I need. Give me everything. Equip me for where you're taking me. And as I'm going, continue to equip me. So I try to lay, I said, you know, I always tell people just lay at his feet, lay it at his feet. So Yeah, and that's something that he has taught me in relationships is to pray that, pray his will and really like don't hold on to it tightly. Like just allow the, like rest it in his hands. And then when it's not his will, you're like, okay, Praise God, I want his will. I want his will. And praying his will for whatever it is that you truly want does release you from that hold on it and allows God's will, which is the best, to be done. Right. And it's it's knowing and hearing God's voice and knowing what's for you and, and what isn't. And I think the more time we spend doing kingdom things, the more time we learn the voice of the king, the more time Amen. we start to recognize that, you know, this actually is of God, but that's not just always a snap of the fingers thing. Sometimes that takes Mm -hmm. a lot of time. I hear God very differently today than I used to. And sometimes when you hear certain things from God, you can't always jump right away. Sometimes it's like, ah, this isn't for this season. It's coming down the road, but right now you're still in that, in that training ground. So Mm. you said something else too, about sharing the importance of of sharing your faith. Mm. How important is sharing your faith to you? You know, that has changed for me, and honestly, today it means a lot more than it used to. And so um, another aspect of my walk with the Lord that He's really changed is a few years ago, we had a training at my church on how to share the gospel in a very easy, simple way called the Three Circles. That's the format that we use. And when we had the training a week before, I was reading in the Word, just my daily readings, and the Lord began to really convict my heart on 
the fact that I have been a Christian many years, most of my life, and I had never made a disciple. And what does Jesus command us? Go make disciples. And I was so convicted and broken in my heart, and back to the stewardship thing, we are also a steward of the gospel, and I was not stewarding it well. And when the master returns, we want to be found about the master's business, and I was not doing that. Sure, I was doing a lot of good things and doing church things, but also that's not <coughs> that's not the, the whole aspect. We need to be reaching the lost, not those that are just in his kingdom already. And so... I was really convicted and just broken in my heart, and then we have this training. And during the training, we go out and we sh- we pray for people and we share the gospel. And I was terrified. I mean, I did not want to go. I was dragging my feet. It took everything in me to just make it there Saturday morning to go out. And through that training, it's been scary. It's been one of the scariest things that I've done in continuing to go out. Our church um, goes out once a week, and we'll go out praying for people and sharing the gospel whenever we can with those that are unsaved. And it has stretched me and challenged me in so many ways. It's brought life to me and in, in my walk with Him. I mean, when I read the scriptures, it comes alive. I feel like every verse has to do with the Great Commission. Every verse has to do with going into all the world and just His saving message. When I see people, I see their souls. Like I, when I interact with people at the store or my neighbors or those that I don't know, I see this, like this person has a soul and where is this soul going? Um, It has changed how even in worship, how I worship, how I read, everything has changed in my stepping out in obedience. And so sharing my faith is a lot more important now than it used to be because I see it's not just something that we should do. It's our identity in Christ. It is, I am an ambassador for Christ. It's not just for the evangelist. It's not just for the teacher or the preacher. It is for every single believer, and that includes me. And so when I, when I understood that, when he revealed that to me, that this is my identity, it's who I am, I need to be out sharing with people, it really did change my whole perspective in life. Totally. I don't know if that answered your question. 100%. <laughs> this is your episode. You do whatever you want. I'm just glad you're here. Um, it's, it's the Great Commission. And I, don't, I tell people this a lot, too. God did not commission us to do something he did not equip us to do. Mm. You don't just have to be on stage preaching to be able to tell your story or share your testimony or talk about Jesus with someone. You know, I think sometimes people see these great revivals or they see these great movements or they see the pastor on stage and they say, I can't do that. I'm not equipped to do that. I'm not built to do that. I'm like, no, this it's clear. This is the message that Jesus gave to the mm-hmm. church. This is, this is what he has called us to do. So why do you think people hesitate to share their faith? I mean, I know for myself, it was often, I thought I didn't have the opportunity mm-hmm. or I didn't have the words to say just practically. I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I would want to share my faith, but I don't know what that looks like, how to do it. And so I loved this training because it gave very practical steps on how to do it, how to start a conversation about the gospel, um, how to share the gospel in a short and easy way, and then how to lead them to a decision for Christ or not, um, but just opening that door for conversation. And to the opportunity side, I just thought, well, you know, most of my friends are all Christians and I'm surrounded by believers in my life and I work from home and so I didn't have a lot of opportunity so I thought to share with unbelievers but as I found 
we have opportunity. It's just, are we taking them? Like, I go to the grocery store. You're surrounded by people that don't know Jesus. So you go to the checkout. Hey, how you doing? Like, can I pray for you? Is How's your day going? Just taking an interest in people every day. Your mailman that walks by. Maybe they don't know Jesus. Um, maybe it's your neighbor. I have a little neighbor girl that comes over just randomly to visit just because she's bored. And, you know, I've invited her to church because that was my typical MO was, I'll invite you to church. Like, you come to my church and you can hear about Jesus. Um, but I would be nervous to share it with them myself. And as she kept coming over, I thought, I think this is an open door. I should just share Jesus with her. And so every time she comes over for a little visit, I bring out my little story Bible and we do Bible stories together. And after doing several of those, she gave her heart to Jesus. And I don't know if I would have taken that opportunity had I not had this training and seen the value of me sharing the gospel with somebody. I just always thought, come and see, come to my church, you'll get Jesus there. But no, I need to take the opportunity right next door, this little neighbor girl, she needs Jesus. And so I've noticed that we do have the opportunity, it's just, are we taking it? So I would say, at least for me, those were the two big hurdles of maybe why I didn't share my faith is not having the confidence and knowing how and not seeing the opportunity in front of me. So I met you through the No Place Left training because you guys brought this training to New Life Church. Mm -hmm. And this training actually sparked something in my heart mm -hmm. because I, at that time, and I mean still now, I was I oversee all of our outreach efforts at New Life. And when you guys left, I sat there and I said to myself, we're missing the mark. Mm -hmm. We are missing the mark as far as being a soul winning church. So much so, I called the head pastor of New Life and I said, you know, Bob, I want to tell you, like, I, I apologize. Like, I, I, he's like, what did you do? I'm like, wait, no, it's not that kind of apology. It's not that kind of apology. Just calm down. <laughs> it's more of a, um, we're missing the mark as far as being a soul winning church. I, I've heard you say a few times that this church is not winning souls for, for Jesus. And I said, I want to do something about that. And, you know, he's he's my spiritual father. And so he's the one who led me to Christ. And he's one of my he's one of the main people speaking in my life. And he said, that's not just on you. That's on all of us. Mm. And I said, I appreciate that. But what area of the church have I been entrusted to shepherd and oversee the evangelism <laughs> effort? So whose fault is this? It's, it's time just to take the blame. <laughs> it's time to take the blame. The leader has to take the blame because mm. if I'm not teaching them what I know and what I'm doing, there's a problem here. And mm -hmm. the problem was with the leader in that case. And I had, I had to own that. Um, so with that being said, I, I called him. I said, we're going we're gonna to go into 2023, and we're gonna, our goal is to be a soul-winning church in 2023. Amen. So we are completely revamping our outreach efforts right now. Lord. By we, I mean, right now it's just me because we don't have an outreach team <laughs> um, because I took it apart. And now we're just going to rebuild it from the ground up. Yeah. So our efforts will mirror the no place the no place left our efforts will mirror a place where we're going to go out and win souls for jesus but when they come here or go or go somewhere else there's going to be places to receive them so they can they can also be discipled amen and then the people who are doing the discipling they will continuously be getting discipled mm -hmm. so all in 2023 at new life church there's going to be evangelism related courses or classes or seminars or whatever it's it's going to be so i can't thank you guys enough because praise the lord so thank you for rebuking me gently <laughs> um that wasn't painful at all um this is this episode is not going the way i thought it was going to go um so thank you for that um but i really do appreciate you guys yes yeah. and your obedience to that because without that we would have continued on the, and community outreach is great we're still going to do some of the events that we do 
Like we work with, um, we work to make sure 500 kids have a Christmas every year. We're still going to do that because mm-hmm. when those families pull up to our side door, we pray for all of those cars. Amen. I mean, there is one-on-one or two-on-one prayer time mm-hmm. at that point. So I can't thank you guys enough for bringing that training. I know that that training really wrecked us too when we had it. I mean, it, <laughs> it shook us up too because you're going, oh, this is different than just the church life, than just the show up on Sunday, the do the good deeds. It's like... Oh, no, 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 no. And what was encouraging about this training is that we were hearing testimonies. You know, you hear testimonies in India and China and all these other countries where the Lord's work is going forth and there's movements happening. But to hear that this movement is happening in the U.S., that this is there, there's actually skin in the game here. Like it's it's happening was encouraging. Like, oh, maybe maybe this could work. Maybe this could work in my town where Jesus could really his word can go forth and people can be saved. And he reminded me how Jesus is in his work. Like, you know, you're going to be revamping this, but if you're about the Great Commission, he will provide everything that you need. Whether you think it's enough or not, it's enough. Like he he says in the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and I am with you always to the end of the earth. He said that in link with the Great Commission. Sometimes I would always kind of claim that, like, oh, yeah, he's with me to the end of the earth. But when did he say that? It's in the Great Commission. And so as I've gone out, as I've actually put obedience to it, that is when I felt closer to the Lord, when I felt the power of the Lord using me or speaking through me, because he's with me in when I'm obedient, when I'm actually sharing the gospel with somebody. He goes before us, and that is his work. That's his heartbeat. And so he's all over it. I know a few people at your church. I want to recommend they get you preaching very soon. So I'm going to just go ahead and I'm just going to rush your process just a little bit. Don't okay. mind me. Don't mind me. Um, we talked about doing things in the right season right here. I go already. <laughs> and you're, you're right because when it comes to the great commission, when I'm teaching that and I'm, I'm ministering that I talk to people, think about this as you go. Like think you're already going to the grocery store. You're already going to the gym. You're already going to school, wherever it is you may be going. Just make sure you're about the father's business where you're going. Be ready to share your testimony. Be ready to share your life story because it doesn't talk about the Great Commission isn't about bringing people to church. It's not about right. converts. Right. This is about making disciples. It's yes. about leading people to the Lord and making disciples for Jesus and winning people for Christ, mm-hmm. winning souls for Christ. Yes. And I cannot stress enough that he put that it's in us. We just have to open up our mouths and eyes and get out there and be willing to to do it. So right. um, one of the things that we're getting ready to do here is every Saturday we're going to go out and actually go to win souls for Christ. Amen. So um, there's some unique things we're going to do as far as like breaking down some of those walls in the in the city. Um, we've got candy bars and touch cards ready. We're going to be like, here is our random act of kindness. Jesus loves you. How can we pray for you? Yeah. You know, and that's just one of the ways that we're, we're going to do it. But we're going to make sure that it is and that the Great Commission is attached to everything that we're doing. Amen. It's not just going to be, here's this card and candy bar and keep walking. Right. We're, we're Come gonna, to church on Sunday right. and hear about Jesus. Right. <laughs> we're going to have that gospel-centered conversation. Yes. Every, it's every opportunity. So Yes, that's so important. May we all be like that, that everyone that we touch, we are the fragrance of the gospel. And Paul talks about whenever we go somewhere, we are bringing the fragrance of life or of death. And if we're not bringing up the gospel, then we're then we're not bringing that fragrance. And so it will be challenging at times. You know, you have conversations and maybe there's people that they feel excited because you're the fragrance of life. Oh my goodness, I can be set free. Or the fragrance of death, I don't want to change. I don't want to hear what you have to say. But if we're never bringing up the gospel, then we're not bringing them to any decision. We're just being a nice person. (laughs) Right. 
being a nice person is it's not bad. It's not a bad thing. It's just yeah, it's there's so some, much more. It helps open up the door. It, it helps you're not mean about it. It helps. It helps. Well, absolutely. <laughs> so the no place left training, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like give some more detail about it. And if a church is looking to have that, um, I don't want to really just call it a program, but they're looking to bring that conference to their church or their community, what, what can they do to, to get that started? Yes, absolutely. So this training really helps. I like to say that it helps build the confidence and the competence to actually start those conversations. So basically, No Place Left is a movement of people. It's not an organization. There's no head of it. There's no um, no one getting money from it. It's just a movement of people that are committing to, I will take my area. So for me, Alliance, Ohio, and I'm going to commit to seeing that this place that I live there's going to be no one that has not heard the gospel, no place left that Jesus has not been preached. And so these um, gospel conversation trainings, you basically get a tool of how to start a conversation. Like I said, first we offer prayer and then, hey, do you have a minute? Could we share you with you this picture? And then we, we draw this picture that we explain the gospel and then we bring them to a decision. Hey, have you heard this before? Where are you at with the Lord? What, you know, does have you heard this before? And just starting that conversation, and it's a lot easier than I ever would have thought. It's terrifying at times, and it's scary, but it took away a lot of my um, fears when I actually went out and shared the gospel, because I thought, well, I have to have all the answers. No, you don't. Like, you go out, you share what you know, and you'd be surprised at how many people will listen to you, and how many people maybe have never heard Jesus. I mean, we've talked to many youth that have never heard of Jesus, never heard about his death and resurrection on the cross, and they've never heard about it. And I think we in America assume that everyone in America has heard, and they haven't. Mm. And so we have a mission field everywhere we turn to be preaching this gospel. Anyways, so this training is just a simple way of getting people going and actually sharing the gospel. Um, It kind of broke down some of the barriers for me and some of the fears that I had that it's very simple. It can be very simple as, can I pray for you? Can I show you this picture and share the gospel with them? And then what do you think? Is this something you're interested in? Um, So this training, um, our church has kind of become a, a hub of sorts of training other churches and training up other believers to be kingdom-minded, gospel-sharing believers. Um, So you can reach out to our church, the Alliance Christian Center. Um, And I know that No Place Left also has information on No Place Left Connect, I believe is what it's called, um, for more information on it. Um, But it definitely reshaped, not only giving me the tools, but reshaped my my thinking, um, as I've stated before, just my identity and which is what we're all called to. And to the, to the because you said you, it's an, you draw an image with the, with the three circles. Yes. So what, what goes into that image? What, what are you actually drawing and showing okay. them? So we're drawing three circles. So the first circle represents God's design. So we, we draw a heart in the middle. And then the second circle, it, we draw a crack in it because it's a broken world. And so that explains where we're living at today. And so you wonder how in the world did we get from this perfect world that God designed and originated to this broken world that we are today, and that's through sin. And so that sin separates us. And so we draw a line separating those two worlds. And so now we're stuck in this brokenness. We don't like to feel broken. And so we try to turn to things to try to fix our problems. So maybe that's addiction. Maybe that's turning to... 
um, electronics or relationships or money to fill that void in our in ourselves. And we draw little bungee cords. It's like mm. things that we're, we're turning to, but they snap us back into that broken world. And then the third circle is God's plan to save us. So we have God's design, the broken world, and then God's plan to save us. And that's through Jesus, how he died, he resurrected, he's alive today. And the two things that he calls us to do to turn to him are to, to turn from our sin and to believe in him. And if we do that, then we draw a line all the way going back to God's design. And so although it's not a perfect world, we're restored into a right relationship. If we make him the king of our life, he makes us brand new. And so it's just a diagram showing those three circles and how you can go from living separated from God to then how you can be restored into a right relationship with him. It's very simple. It takes two or three minutes. And it's very engaging for people because we live in a very visual society. And so people really lock into it. And, and many people, even if they've heard several aspects of the gospel, they've never seen this full picture of it before and the full circle of, oh, wow, this broken world is actually our fault. It's not God's fault. And he loves us so much he wanted to fix that. So it's been really simple but powerful. You said something really good before that about how you don't have to have all the answers. I have met people who are grateful for when I told them, I don't know. But I follow that up with, I know who to ask and I will get back to you if you're okay yeah. with me. They're calling you, texting you, emailing you, that kind of thing. Like there are people who are like, you know what? I've had people tell me one of the reasons I've continued to hear, hear you speak or hear certain things from you is because you don't pretend like you have all the answers because I don't. I don't know every single thing that the Bible says, right. but I can go back and look it up and study it. And if I have questions, I can find other resources to go ask these questions to. Mm -hmm. So this training actually taught me how to share my testimony, I think in 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. You're talking about th almost 30 years of just direct intentional sin shared in 15 seconds. The sin and then the redemption arc in 15 seconds. It, it's yeah. phenomenal. So so thank you again. I can't thank you guys enough for, for bringing that, yeah, that here. So. What we always do is on the in the comment section, um, no matter where people are watching this. So what I'll do is I'll put the links for No Place Left, and I'll put mm -hmm. the links for for your church, so people can kind of figure out how if we want to bring this to our church, how they can yeah. get a hold of you guys to do that. Amen. So um, anybody they should ask for specifically, or um, probably my grandpa. He's the pastor, and okay. he's Kirk Martin. Uh, he's usually the one in charge of getting the trainings together. Perfect. We can do that. We can do that. So what does this phrase mean to you? Live with intent. Mm, that is, I feel like the season that I'm in right now and all through my testimony of what the Lord has brought me through has brought me to this season of being intentional. And so whether that is the person, the neighbor that comes over for a cup of coffee and they just need to pour out their heart and they need some prayer, be present, be right there. Don't be worrying about tomorrow's things. You just stay right there. You see how you can minister to that person. Maybe it's being intentional. If you have a lot of free time, okay, what? who can I pour into with this free time? Is there a ministry at church? Is there a burden that God has put on my heart? Um, for me, I'm a stay-at-home nanny, and so I watch little kids. And so for me, living intentionally at my job is pouring into these kids biblical morals and truths and Bible stories and memory verses where they are learning God's truth that will impact them for the kingdom. And so maybe that's if you have a job where you, you have coworkers, it's being intentional in those conversations to love them, 
to pray for them, to also share the gospel with them, um, or even like for me in this in this single season that I'm in, just being intentional not not to waste it. And so looking at what has God given me, what are the resources that I have, time, energy, money, whatever, and how can I use this for the kingdom and not waste it? A lot of times, like when I'm, I eat at a lot of the same places, I shop at a lot of the same stores. Mm. Um, and it's intentional because I like to get to know the staff and the people there. Mm. I leave a lot of our, our church touch cards for, for people. Mm-hmm. It's also why I make sure I leave tips for my servers because right. the last thing I want to do is invite you to church and stiff you on the tip. You're get, guaranteed they're not coming now. Guaranteed they're not coming. Or they're smearing our names to the mud. Right. So um, there's a lot of ways that I think we can get creative with where we are. I think God places us where we are for a reason because he gives us that that sphere of, of influence, that there's people who you're going to reach that I may never even get a chance to, to talk to, may never get mm-hmm. a chance to meet. There's a reason why we work where we work or we live where we live. I don't think any detail is too small for, for God. So that's right. It's why I pray. Where do you want me to work? Where do you want me to buy the house? You know, even with our, our finances, living below our means can allow us to be a blessing to someone else, yes. which may be something we can use to help turn their hearts to the Lord. Not the the money is going to do it. It's mm-hmm. just the being responsible and being a good steward with the things he's given us uh, while we're here. So, Amen. How would you describe your personal relationship with Jesus now? Because I know you said mm-hmm. you've known him your entire life. Obviously, you've hit you've hit some struggles, but you you've grown. So mm-hmm. how how would you describe your relationship with Jesus now, and how important is that to you? I would say it's more alive now than ever before, and I would attribute that to Jesus convicting me and then me stepping out in obedience because whenever we step out in obedience he can bless that and that's where he stirs your heart and so I mean I still have my dry days and and you know the the normal struggles of life but um, as a whole I would say specifically after that training after getting out there and, and sharing my faith and being completely nervous and scared stiff, having to rely on Jesus in those senses, and then just seeing the power of Jesus transform people's lives. I mean, that just stirs your heart to no end. It reminds you of your own testimony. And so since that point, that was a real turning point to where my time with him, my relationship with him is so much more alive. He feels nearer. My time with him is sweeter um, as a whole. And and that means so much to me. I mean, my relationship with him is everything like my I want my whole life to be surrounded by that um, the places that I go the people that I talk to how I spend my money like I want everything to be about kingdom work and so by the world standards you might see my life and be like oh you know she doesn't have what you would think would require happiness you know she might not be um, have the money or the college education or whatever that might be but I don't care because if I'm right in the center of God's will, then, I mean, I feel so, so full of life and purpose and joy and peace and contentment that nothing could buy. And so my relationship with him is everything. So I do um, major gift fundraising for a living. And I sit with a lot of wealthy people often Mm -hmm. because I'm asking to give back a million dollars or more to the school that I work at. (laughs) to help with like scholarships, new buildings, lab equipment, whatever the case may wow. be. And I see their discontent all the time. Mm-hmm. I see their unhappiness. 
I, I have sat with some people who you would say, not you personally, but the world would say they have everything. They have the money. They have the cars. They have all these things. They are absolutely miserable. And it's because they're missing Jesus. They're missing the fulfillment that Christ brings to their life. Yeah. Because, and it's, it's heartbreaking because the, the clothes, the money, none of that satisfies. That's why they keep buying so much more of it. It's mm -hmm. one of those things that I always ask people, if what you're doing is so satisfying, why do you have to continuously do it? Mm -hmm. If the drugs, the alcohol are so satisfying, why do you have to consistently do it over and over and over again? That's not satisfaction. It's actually an addiction mm -hmm. at best. At best, it's an addiction. <laughs> um, and it's I, I see it. I see it all the time. But yet I've seen people who live in below the poverty line who – and depending on what area you're in, that, that, that varies, but who are not wealthy by the world standards, mm. and they give you the shirt off their back. They're mm. as joyful as you can be, and you wouldn't know that the world, that life is just hitting them hard mm. every single day. You wouldn't know because they have the joy of the Lord everywhere they go. So I think that that's Amen. one of the things that, to tell people is that, that those material things don't make you happy. That's not your identity. Mm -hmm. When your identity is found in Christ, you deal with life very differently. You, mm -hmm. you deal with your circumstance and your issues very differently. Because you're not so. living for this earth. You're living for eternity. You're living for the kingdom. And so all of this you understand is just fading and passing away. But yet our, the inward is just being renewed day by day. Yeah. Absolutely. And that brings joy in itself to know I'm going to spend eternity in yes. paradise with Jesus. Like, this is the only hell we're going to see. So right. I, always, I always ask Christians, then why do you want to stay here? And it's not to be morbid or to be um, just to, or paint a negative picture, but yeah. it's just to say we're not living for this. Right. We are, this is passing away. We're here for a short period of time. Yes. However many years or decades that, that is, we're only here for a short period of time. We are mm -hmm. just visiting. We have to be good stewards while we're here visiting. So with, with that being said, then how do you keep the kingdom a priority in your life? For me, I would say staying in the word, um, staying in fellowship with other believers for that iron sharpening iron and new perspective and being reminded of the truth. Um, and I would also say obedience, sharing my faith, those things. When I've actually talked to unbelievers and I actually started opening my mouth and sharing the gospel with people, my heart has been broken for the lost like it never has before. Because before, they were just kind of out there, like this general term, the lost. But now I've seen them. I've talked to them. I've seen what they're facing, what they're dealing with. I've seen the blinders on their eyes and the deception that they don't see the truth. The light is not getting in. And when you realize that, it breaks your heart. And he gives you that father's heart of how he loves that person. And he wants that person to come to know him. And so it has changed how I, how I just view people, as I've already stated. But, um, yeah, it's, it's truly broken my heart for the lost. I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I just started talking. I didn't even know what the question was. I'm, I was engulfed in the answer. So whatever you answer, it was a good answer to the question. Right. Perfect. Phenomenal. We're just going to roll with that. We're just going to roll with that. Um, I like how you said they were just – they had this, this term, they were the lost. But when you start putting names and faces that, it becomes a reality. It's like, that's my cousin. Right. That's the person I see at the gym every day. Yeah. That's the person who I work with. That's my aunt, my uncle, my, my mom, my dad, whoever it may be. When you start realizing, like, no, these are people who God loves. Because I tell people this a lot. You can't say you love God and not love what God loves. 
which is his people. And if you don't know, man, God, what do I do in this season of waiting? What do I do in this season of preparation? Well, what would God do? He would love people. Mm-hmm. He would love on people. He would show them that love. So I think putting faces and names to the lost. So it's not just this um, general term or it's not just, oh, well, this Christian thinks they're high and mighty or they're better than me. No, it's not it. We serve Jesus because I know I need a savior. I serve Jesus because I know I'm broken and I know I couldn't do this without him. I know that he's made me whole and he's making me complete and he's sanctifying me. But to put faces with the term, it changes everything. Yeah. It changes everything. And truly, so. it's made me even more thankful and grateful for my own salvation. And that when I see people that are so deceived by the world and they don't understand the truth, it just makes me so thankful that the Lord would open my eyes to allow me to see and take the blinders off my heart because I think growing up in the church, it can kind of feel like I've known the truth for so long and it was kind of just bound to happen, like I've just known my whole life. But yet I could have been like any one of them. I could have been totally on the road to hell and just been so deceived that I never turned. And so it makes me even more thankful and grateful when I think about, oh my goodness, Jesus, you took the blinders off my eyes and I did not deserve it for his grace and his mercy. It truly has just wrecked me <laughs> in I tell, the best way. No, I hear you. And I tell people all the time, this isn't even about heaven or hell. This is about how are you living for Christ? Yeah. Because when I ministered this to people, I don't even, I don't even really push the idea of, man, I, I do talk about the eternity with Christ, but I let them know there is fulfillment in living for him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, because... I don't want to scare you with the idea of hell. I don't want to romanticize you with the idea of heaven. I want to talk to you about the importance of accepting the Savior. I don't want anything overtaking the message of what Jesus did. And that's mm-hmm. and then that's why I use my personal test whenever I witness to people to say, this is where I was and this is where I am now. Yeah. And everything I'm doing right now, I said in my life, I would never do. And God laughed. And he Power said, Jesus. yeah, and he's, he's probably <laughs> still laughing. So... Do you have a favorite Bible verse, a life verse, anything that you, do you have one? Yes. Yeah. I would say uh, 2 Corinthians 15, 9, that says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Um, So I will boast all the more about my weakness that Christ's power might rest on me. And it's, I mean, it reminds me just about this conversation that we don't have what it takes. And so those times when I'm faced with situations where I don't feel like I have what it takes, like going out and sharing the gospel. I'm reminded it doesn't take, it doesn't have to do with what I have or my power or my ability or my words or, you know, how winsome I can win someone to Christ or if I can convince somebody to come to Christ. It has nothing to do with me. And so I've often gone back to that verse and just found so much comfort and peace knowing that when I'm facing something that he's calling me to do that I feel like I can't do, that's right where I need to be. Right. <laughs> right. So I ask every guest this quite these next couple questions. So what motivates you? I would say the kingdom. That motivates me. That motivates and I want it to motivate every aspect of my life and my love for Jesus because when I love him then I love other people. I love what he loves like what you were saying. And so my love for Jesus motivates my love for the kingdom and for eternity. And that, that really drives me to do what I do. And yeah. Okay. There we go. So 
I think you kind of touched on it, but why do you do what you do? That's also a good question. It's similar, but it's good to go back to your why, why you're doing something. Um, Because for a time, I was really getting discouraged in sharing the gospel and going out and kind of stopped for a while. And the Lord was stirring in my heart, convicting me again about getting out and sharing the gospel again. And I was encouraged to go back to my why. Like, why would I go out and share the gospel? Because if it's just another thing to do, if it's just a checklist item, then it becomes a duty and you, it's not a out of love. And so I had to go back to, okay, why? Why would I go out and share the gospel? Okay, well, because I love Jesus, because I made him the king of my life, because this is something he's told me to do, because I want to see the transforming power of Jesus, because I know his kingdom is going and advancing, and it's going to advance whether or not I'm part of it, and I want to be on the front line. That's right. And so you have to go back to your why. So I like that question because I have to remind myself, what is my why? It's because I love Jesus. And if it's not because I love Jesus, then something's wrong. It could be with anything, reading my Bible in the morning, spending time in prayer, you know, serving on the worship team. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If your why is not because you love Jesus, then it's becoming a duty. And then it becomes a burden. And then it's not a joy anymore. It's it's one of those tough questions that you have to ask yourself. Why am I really doing what I'm doing? Right. Like the real why. Like what is the real motive behind why I'm actually doing the things that I'm doing? And some that is an uncomfortable question. Yeah. I read a lot of Andy Stanley's books when I first got saved and he touched on that so often Mm. as to pay attention to the tension that's going on inside of you like why are you feeling what you're feeling it's probably a sign that maybe you shouldn't be getting ready to do what you're doing or your motives are wrong for why you're doing what you're doing Mm. but to pay attention to that the why the real motive so Mm. those questions always sound similar but i have yet to get the same answer from anyone i don't know those (laughs) two questions (laughs) yeah i'm gonna keep asking but until someone's like that's that's terrible so but it, it seems to be working out so far so good this brings me right now to, and I'm sad for this. I'm going to have to get you back on. Now that I have a little bit to. more detail, I have, to, I have to bring you back on to talk about. So this is brings me to the final segment of the podcast. This is our Let Them Know segment. You can okay. share anything you like with the audience. This is your time. So, Bree, let them know. Okay. Um, I was praying about this segment and just asking, like, Lord, what, what should I share? And I I really was reminded of seek first the kingdom Mm. and all these things will be added to you as well. And that was kind of a theme. And as I was thinking about my testimony and what the Lord has done in my life, um, that's what it boils back to. Because if, you know, in my season of singleness and, and wanting a relationship, that became an idol but no, I need to seek first the kingdom and all these things will be taken care of or, oh, I, I need to find this right job and the right pay or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, seek first the kingdom and all these things, will, God will work out everything else. Um, whatever it is, it boils back to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And so let go of the worry of how everything's gonna play out. You seek to do his kingdom to be the light, to share the gospel, and to be in the center of his will, and you can let God do the rest. Wow. Amen to that. (laughs) Amen to that. Can I ask you to do one more thing for us? Yeah. I didn't put this part in the prep. So do you mind praying us out before we get ready to go? I'd love to. Please. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yes. Jesus, I thank you for this time. I pray for every listener right now that you would stir their hearts, that something that was said might prick something in their spirit and that you would 
stir um, conviction or encouragement um, into them because we trust that your word goes forth and will not return void and that your spirit uses the word to speak. It's alive and active. We thank you. So I ask that you would use anything that was said today for your glory, for your purposes, and that we might all become kingdom-minded, kingdom-focused believers who are allowing the word to just live through us and affect every single person around us. Stir our hearts to obedience, that we might see more of your heart come alive. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Bree, thank you so much for doing the show today. I appreciate it. I will be reaching back out to book you again. Cool. I, I think we just scratched the surface with, with some of the things we talked about today. So Sounds good. Thank you so much for doing the show. I appreciate you being here, and I'm looking forward to having you back on in the future. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed it. All right. Safe travels back home. Thanks.